Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 40, baby. That is, that's insane. Anyway, on this episode, we will be talking about the trade deadline fallout. Some of the trades that were close but didn't quite happen. So we're going to talk about a few of those. Going to look at a few of the players that have been doing really well on their new teams. And we'll talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, a little bit about the Calgary Flames, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk about them in this episode. So let's get into this. So the trade deadline has passed. Everything is, the the dust has settled just a little bit now. All the fan bases and everyone, they're starting to figure out, oh, we're, did we did we do good in the trade deadline? Did we do bad? So let's... I. Now that a few of the stories have come out about some of the trades that fell through, let's talk about some of that. So the big story, the big team that uh, didn't make the big splash that everyone was hoping for was the Philadelphia Flyers. So they had a couple of trades that fell through the cracks that just didn't quite get done. And there is definitely a lot of heat on the Philadelphia Flyers right now, especially the GM Ron Hextall for not making the moves that everybody would have maybe planned for him to do or hoped or basically demanded him to do. So um, the heat is on for Ron Hextall. So they had a little bit of a, a town hall meeting or whatever in Philadelphia. The season ticket holders, I guess, all got together and they just booed the ever-living bejesus out of Ron Hextall at the at the, at the the meeting. And it was just like the most Philadelphia thing ever. Like the second he walks in, it's just all the booster so that was good so yeah things are a little bit rocky right now for Philadelphia but now I'm not going to say that Ron Hextall's done a great job but I think that we can maybe calm down a little bit when it comes to the JVR thing so JVR didn't get traded there are a lot of basically all year long people were planning and hoping that JVR would get traded out of Philadelphia he's got one year left on that seven million dollar per season deal which was kind of a disaster signing for the Flyers. Sadly, the the career of JVR just did not go well for him in Philadelphia. He got drafted there. He was injured at the beginning. He didn't look like he, I don't. He barely played for the Flyers. He gets traded to Toronto. He was fantastic in Toronto. He comes back to Philadelphia, and I don't know. He kind of just seemed like used goods at that point. The, we we sucked all the great greatness out of JVR in Toronto, and we sent him just uh, devoid of all. Anyway, that's mean. JVR is still a solid player. It's just, yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers fans just haven't uh, appreciated him the way that us Toronto Maple Leafs fans did. I, I love JVR here. But, yeah, he did not get moved. So the team that was in on him was the Detroit Red Wings. So Detroit was going to bring him in. The problem was that Detroit needed to clear out some money. They would have needed to make another deal with another team. I don't know who would have been on the move out, but regardless, they needed to make room for him in that $7 million cap hit. I would, You would have to think that f- the Flyers would have retained some sort of salary on that. Regardless, it doesn't, it doesn't go through. The fans are up in arms and all crazy about it, and Tortorella comes out, and I think he ate like, almost sort of made made a little bit of sense for the first time ever not really but you know uh he basically came out and defended his gm and i i didn't hate what he said so he's basically to run it down he's like well like he it's not that he didn't try to trade him like he tried obviously he tried it just didn't get done and all that was on the table for jvr i believe was a third round pick and is that really like 
I mean, yeah, it would have been nice for the Flyers to bring in that third round pick. We've we've talked about asset management before, and I mean, in, in and it's funny because the Leafs were given scrutiny for not trading JVR on the last year of his deal because at that time JVR was worth a lot. I mean, he had a pretty nice. Uh, team-friendly deal. He was a very, very effective power play specialist in front and just a good offensive option. Not the best uh, two-way game uh, JVR had, but um, yeah, he could definitely put up some points, that's for sure, especially in front of the net on the power play. But the return for JVR wasn't really going to change everything in Philadelphia they they weren't going to get anything special with that third round pick but you know yeah maybe they could have packaged that third round pick with someone and they could have got something done but yeah JVR does not get moved and a lot of the Flyer fans are pissed off I don't think it's really that big of a deal honestly I mean Tortorella's like well we got to keep JVR you know he's a body on the on the team that's that's something so (laughs) I don't know I don't think it was that bad like I was a little bit curious why Detroit would be bringing in a guy like JVR when they were just kind of, they kind of just sold off a little bit, but I don't know. I think that's Yeiserman's say. I think Yeiserman's playing like 3D chess right now and everyone's looking at that all the moves that he did in the trade deadline like checkers. Like this dude is thinking years ahead. He knows he's got a lot of young players on the way up and he was moving out a lot of contracts that he felt were dead weight or sacrificable on that squad. So I'm I'm not worried about what Detroit was doing, but we're not done with Philadelphia. So there was another trade uh, roaming around out there. Now, this one didn't really have any major implications on like the rest of the season. So it was a trade uh, between the Columbus Blue Jackets and Philadelphia. Apparently, Kevin Hayes was to be on the move to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Lots of talks between the two teams on that. Columbus is desperate for a center. They really, really need a center. That would be... Um, a major target for them. That was uh, a big question mark coming in for Columbus this season was, are they going to have that, you know, do they have a center that could play with Johnny Goudreau? And I think I think at this point, it's pretty clear the answer is no, not at this point. Boone Jenner is a fine player, but he's not a center for Johnny Goudreau. Ken Johnson and um, Sillinger, I believe, they just haven't, they're just too darn young. I mean, they just haven't gotten into their gotten their feet wet enough I guess is the term I'm going to go with but uh yeah so they've been targeting Kevin Hayes Kevin Hayes had a he's had a hell of a year with Philadelphia the whole culture change and everything he's beloved in the locker room and by his teammates and everything but uh Tortorella isn't huge on him he was benched and the whole all-star game fiasco it's just been not a great time for Kevin Hayes uh in Philadelphia, I guess it kind of seems like that relationship's going to be over, whether his teammates like it or not. Uh, it, 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 I would have to believe that they're going to revisit this trade in the in the summer because I don't think I think just time kind of ran out with the Philadelphia Flyers. And again, yeah, you can blame Ron Hextall for that for waiting too long and not getting these deals done. So I can understand that, but um, I don't know what the return would have been on that. Uh, Kevin Hayes is a solid player he's in and around point a game on a Flyers team that's not great and uh, he's he's always been a solid player and I don't I don't know how I don't think he's a first line center I think he's a quality second line center something like that but I thought that was pretty interesting those two teams making a deal like that so Columbus obviously this year was a 
just a freaking disaster, an absolute disaster. So if they added Kevin Hayes, that would probably be a nice message to the locker room, even to the fan base. Like, hey, I know this year was a bit of a, a bit of a, oh boy, a bit of a whoopsie daisy. But hey, they might get Connor Bedard out of it. They, they're going to get someone pretty good out of this draft out of it. And I, I, you gotta, you gotta imagine they're going to come back swinging with a little bit more than what they brought to the table this year. So adding Kevin Hayes could be a good option for them in the offseason. It's going to be the offseason. There's going to be a lot of the trades that didn't happen at the trade deadline more than likely are going to get revisited at trade at uh, at the draft, offseason, stuff like that. Vancouver should be busy. So I think that's just about it with Philadelphia. So I'm interested to see, um, well, I guess not that interested, but interested that uh, that trade didn't go through. I just, that one was not on my radar. I was not thinking at all of the Columbus Blue Jackets making a, a deal like that. But no, it, it does make sense. They're really desperate for a center. They need a, a top line, a top six center that can play with Johnny Goudreau. So if Kevin Hayes is going to be the answer, uh, change of scenery for him, it might be really nice for him to get, like, I know he's going to be upset that he's going to leave a lot of his buddies, but I think in terms of coaching and management and stuff, I think that relationship is quite strained. So we could see a Kevin Hayes to Columbus trade this off season. And I did mention, now that I mentioned the Vancouver Canucks, um, a lot of talk between um, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks over JT Miller. Uh, word on the street is that there were offers made for JT Miller. It's the the Canucks didn't, they weren't, they weren't happy with uh, what what was coming back. So uh, the Vancouver Canucks are Canucking yet again. They um, apparently now. This is basically a week-by-week basis. So last week, it sounded like they wanted to do a rebuild. And then they made the Hronik trade, which everyone was like, uh, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, I thought we were doing a rebuild, and now you're bringing in guys and making trades that now looks like they want to do a retool. And apparently, the Pittsburgh Penguins were fairly interested in JT Miller. And as far as I know, a, a offer was made for JT Miller, but it was for picks. And Vancouver apparently didn't want picks. They wanted uh, young uh, NHL players. They wanted roster players. And again, that screams retool, not rebuild. So again, I think that a lot of Vancouver fans are going to be just, just absolutely like me as a as a. I'm not a Vancouver diehard fan or anything, but I'm I've been watching. <laughs> from over here for a while, just with my eyebrows raised, like, what the fuck is going on in Vancouver, dude? Like, these guys, I don't think, day by day, they're, they're changing their plans, they're changing their ideas, they don't have anything written in stone with that franchise at this moment. It's going to be just fucking ugly, man, for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, the, the Hronik trade alone, like, not that Hronik is a bad player, it's just the most baffling, what the fuck are you doing trade I've, I've seen out of them in a while. And they make a lot of those trades. I mean, actually, to say a while is, is pushing it. It's been a hot minute, I guess, since they've made a very questionable trade over there in Vancouver. But, fuck, man, they, they, they literally had the opportunity to get out of that JT Miller contract, and they didn't take it as far as I'm being told, so, and, um, that's fucking crazy, dude, I think if they had that opportunity to get out of that deal, they should have taken it immediately, if they had, if they had the opportunity, and apparently, I don't think Pittsburgh was the only team asking around on JT Miller, but again, the Canucks were saying, we don't want picks, 
And apparently, like, two first-round picks were on the table for JT Miller. I would have taken that and ran away with it. Like, absolutely. Like, nope. Um, even though JT Miller, like, he's a good offensive option for the Vancouver Canucks. I just, oh, man. It really looks like they're doubling down on JT Miller at this point. Like, they're they're probably just going to change the whole system and everything to work around a guy that is purely offensive and has no defensive capabilities. So, I don't know, maybe the Vancouver Canucks move into this pure offense, and it could be really fun. Maybe they start uh, losing games like 6-5 to five or something. So, that could be in the future for the Vancouver Canucks. But I'm curious what y'all think. Like, would you if, – if you had an offer – like say it was let's just say theoretically the Pittsburgh Penguins offered up the two first round picks so whatever two first rounds they have left and are you taking that like to get out of the JT Miller contract that bitch hasn't even kicked in yet and there's oh man it's a big nasty deal I think it's nine million dollars per season nine nine and a half million dollars for seven or eight years like going to be rough man that's going to be rough they had the opportunity to get out of it the Pittsburgh Penguins are desperate they're super desperate desperate enough to make a phone call for JT Miller and apparently they're willing and able and Vancouver didn't do it so I'm shocked about that I don't know what the hell they're doing over there in Vancouver man I'm baffled it's going to be a, a rough ride I think until I just I just I really I'm getting frustrated just trying to think about what the hell they're thinking about because I can't think about what they're thinking about because I don't think they're thinking that's what's going on over there in Vancouver but yeah man maybe in the offseason they will have more options in uh, for trade partners because that's again that's going to be a lot of it. a lot of teams were just strapped uh, really really tight to the cap so they're just they're just gonna have to wait until the offseason they're, they're gonna have more trade partners they're gonna have more teams with money to play around with and, and to waste it on a JT Miller and stuff like that but fuck man I heard that and I was I was shocked I was pretty shocked that because it seemed like not long ago they were desperate to get out of it and now they're they had the opportunity they didn't get out of it so I don't know man even if the return wasn't all that great I don't think Vancouver fans would be all that upset because I think the 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 real treat would be getting out of that contract so oh god so that was a big trade that I heard uh kind of fell through right there other than that there weren't too many other trades that that were interesting to me that fell through because I, like we said trade deadline day it was pretty there were trades there were trades it was a big trade deadline like the whole situation all said and done it was one of the bigger better ones uh more exciting ones that i've been a part of in a long time i can't even, i would say in i can't recall a more wild trade deadline because it's been so long since one has been wild but the last week has been quite quite crazy like all the way back to the bo horvat trade i mean bo horvat getting traded patrick king getting traded freaking quick getting traded like the Leafs making the biggest all-in buy that I've seen them do since uh bringing in Brian Leach and Ron Francis Owen Nolan all those old guys and stuff so this was a really exciting trade deadline I would have to say all said and done the day itself it is what it is it is that's just how it goes it's just a lot of the trades got done and that's another thing I don't really understand why teams GMs stuff like that they wait until the deadline I think it's kind of irresponsible honestly like I kind of look at it as you have I don't know your teacher gave you two weeks to finish this assignment and you waited till the deadline to get it done when you had two weeks to get it done you could have finished it in the first two days and then you had the rest of the days to to you know just let it sit and maybe you can tweak it here and there and make it nice and you'll be nice and ready for for the day when the deadline comes instead you're fucking panicking you're writing shit and 
on the last day and you're making decisions that you maybe wouldn't have made if he had some more time, right? So again, I, I prefer it if my GM makes that trade early. It's it's better for them to identify the problem early, find a trade that will fix the problem, and then get it working. So I guess with that being said, we can talk a little bit about the Leafs and the abundance of their trades and the talk around that is now, did the Leafs bring in too many people? Did they fuck around with the chemistry too much? Yada, yada, yada. And again, I'm just, uh, well, I'm just going to say that just relax. Okay, just relax. It's been uh, like a week. Just let these guys get comfortable. Give it a minute. They beat Jersey last night, so it's okay. Yeah, they lost to Vancouver in fucking horrifying fashion. We won't, we will get more into that a little bit later, but... I think at this point it's just a little bit of an adjustment period. We can talk we'll talk more about other players that maybe are going through a bit of an adjustment period right now, but yeah, the Leafs look like they've they're a little bit of a struggling right now. Not not really struggling. I just it's just going to take a little bit of time for these guys to get used to the systems. It's going to take them a minute to figure out where guys are going to be. You have to imagine like they've been in a totally different system. They've been in another side of the country. They've been in a different country for some of them. And it's going to take them a while to get into a routine. Usually, man, like, it takes a solid two weeks for even a human being, like a normal human being, like, to build a routine, to build whatever is part of that routine into their system and for it to feel comfortable. So it's going to take these guys a little while. Not everybody is Dmitry Orlov over there in Boston. Just, oh, I'm just going to rack up 400 points in three days because we'll talk about that. But... I don't. I don't think it's going to be all that big of a deal. It's an adjustment period. Um, the Leafs are there. These guys are going to get comfortable. They're going to learn their teammates. They're going to learn where, where Mitch Marner is. They're going to learn that. Oh, I just need to put my stick here, and Mitch Marner is going to put it on my stick, and it's just it's just going to go in. And I'm just wow. Okay, things are incredibly easy over here. But even like not just with the Leafs, but Patrick Kane, people are already giving him a hard time. It's like he hasn't put up a point. He's played like two games. Like relax. Like. Yeah, it would have been really awesome if Patrick Kane just came in and put up a hat trick in his first game. Yeah, everybody would have loved that. We all would have loved that. We would have, we would have really been oh, so creamy. It would have creamed all over the place. But reality is, Patrick Kane has been a Chicago Blackhawk his entire career. He has been in the Chicago system his entire career. And he's getting taken out of a Western Conference, getting put into an Eastern Conference, which again, I will note, I think is a very underrated part of changing your routine. You're going into a totally, you know, okay, so he goes there and he's coming from a Chicago team that has been struggling mightily, empty building, crowds are not there. Now he's going to this raucous Madison Square Garden, one of the craziest places in all of the world, and the pressure is going to be on him a little bit. He's going to, he's, you know, and yes, I know it is Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane tends to shine brightest under the pressure, but this is a different situation, man. This isn't the Stanley cup. This is kind of a life situation, right? He's kind of just getting uprooted out of his regular routine life and he's getting planted into this new system. So I think people just need to be a little bit more patient, but again, that goes into the argument is like let's make these trades as early as possible so we can get through this adjustment period and yeah because not everybody's pro scout is going to like ideally you're going to want your pro scout looking for a guy that is going to match very well with your system or plays a very similar system 
Hence why Kyle Dubas likes to go after his Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound guys. He likes to go after the guys because he knows those systems. He's played those systems. He's worked around those systems. So when he brings in a player from those systems, he knows what he's getting sort of, right? So he's like, okay, I know this guy plays the systems. He should be fairly familiar with this. So that's one thing I've always wondered, like why... Uh, not every team does this, but most of them do. Uh, their AHL and NHL teams tend to have the same systems. So, um, for example, uh, when, um, what's his name? Kyle Dubas was the GM of um, the Marlies. The Marlies were playing like the Leafs play now. They would, you know, lots of possession and all that stuff. High possession numbers. They like pass it back. Lots of passing, stuff like that. And that got brought up into the Leafs once Dubas took over. Sheldon Keefe got up in there. You started seeing that play style. So now that the Marlies and the Leafs kind of play similar, it's much easier for that next man up mentality. It's like, all right, we're we're down a guy. We're going to bring up a Marley. He plays the same system, so it's not going to be that crazy of an adjustment for him. Yeah, he's going to be nervous. I mean, he's coming up to the big show, but at least he knows. He's like, okay, I got familiar systems here. I should hopefully be able to get in there effectively but not every at not everywhere does that some places have completely different systems for their AHL and NHL squads and of course every, lots of teams got all different systems so Patrick Kane's just gonna have to get accustomed and all that but there have been a few players that have done very very well on their new teams right out of the gate and I'm just gonna say I'm gonna talk about Sandine right away because this one, I knew I knew it was going to bite us in the ass. And I know it's really early, but really, really good start for Rasmus Sandin in, in the Washington Capitals so far. Three assists in his first game there as a Washington Capital. And then follows that up with a goal and an assist. So five points for Sandin in two games. So instantly, you know, that's got to make uh, Dubas probably uh, shed a little bit of sweat. Just a little bit like, oh dear, did I make, did I make a whoopsie? Because, I mean, he brings in Gustafson and a first-round pick, and nothing really happens with that. So a lot of people are confused about Gustafson. They don't really see where he fits into the lineup. Dubas says that he's had his eye on this player for quite some time, but, I mean, yeah, I don't even know if he's played a game yet, honestly. But, yeah, man, once the Capitals made that move, I mean... If I was a Capitals fan, I'd be very, very happy because it's exactly what they needed. It makes a lot of sense for them. But yeah, man, it's working really good over there for Rasmus Sandin and the Washington Capitals so far. I mean, I wish him the best. I just wish I wish it could have worked out here with him in Toronto. It's just that there's just too many players and he's just he's just kind of here at the wrong time. Like they, we're 1000% in a win now mode and Sheldon Keefe, Dubas, they don't really have a time. They don't have the time to, to deal with. Sandine, I guess. Uh, apparently, he's a little bit lippy with um, with with coaches. I guess I don't know. I guess he just wasn't really fitting in, which is too bad, man. Like I was really excited for Sandine. Talked about it last episode. I really did think that Rasmus Sandine had the potential to be the next Morgan Riley on the team. I thought he would be the top left wing or the top left defenseman. He could be the top power play, but Morgan Riley gets the eight year extension, and it kind of just seems like he lost his spot there so and Lilligren had just emerged to be kind of the all-around better defenseman at this point he's just kind of matured into a quality defenseman faster than Sandine did rightfully so he's older he's been been in the show a little bit longer but yeah man I really wish Sandine the best and what a great start for him over there in Washington so that's really awesome uh, some other players that have been playing very well for their new teams I mean 
Dmitry, Dmitry Orlov, or as some people have been calling him, Bobby Orlov, because this guy is has been fantastic for the Bruins since he showed up. I mean, I think it's he got first star of the week or month or some shit or whatever from the NHL. Who cares? But, yeah, dude, he has fit in fantastically for the Bruins right out of the gate. So that could have been a, a situation where the Bruins pro scout saw Orlov. They saw that he was available. Maybe they've had eyes on him for a long time. Maybe they've had eyes on a whole bunch of defensemen. They're like, this is a Boston Bruin. We like That's the thing about Boston. It's pretty well known what Boston's all about. Like, Boston's got... They got a formula, and it works for them, and when Boston picks up a guy, you're like, oh, that is a Boston-ass guy. They picked up Hathaway, and you're like, oh, that's a Boston-ass guy. He is tough. He can fight. He can get in your face. He's annoying. He's a guy that you don't want to deal with in a seven-game series, and the Bruins are just filled with those guys. They got tons of them. So Orloff gets over there, and he just starts lighting up right away, so... He's a little bit of the anomaly. Uh, not very common do um, players do that, but, I mean, good on him. Of course, the Bruins are just getting everything that they wanted this season. All they really want now is a Stanley Cup for for Bergeron before he goes away, I guess. He has won one, but it wasn't, like, his team at that point. And I imagine that's what it feels like for Marchant and stuff, because when they won it, they were the young guys on the team. They weren't like the main pieces. There were those young pieces, those really important young pieces that a lot of Stanley Cup teams need when you win. You're going to have to have those really talented young rookies on entry-level contracts. That really, really helps out. And I I can attest to that, because that's how I played my NHL GM modes a lot. I would just trade out... Uh, a player, once he wanted money, I'm like, all right, you're out. I'm going to go get a young guy who's not making any real money yet. And yeah, I would just fucking load up with a bunch of that over and over and over again, win like 12 cups in a row. It was great. But I mean, Dmitry Orlov, great fit for him over there in Boston so far. And uh, some other players that have been doing pretty well. Barbashev for the Vegas Golden Knights has been a fantastic pickup for them. One of the better pickups of the of the trade deadline by the looks of it he's just been lighting it up for Vegas over there so uh, really good pickup I I think I made fun of that pickup when Vegas did it I was like oh Barbashev that's but he's been really freaking good for them since he got there so a nice move for Vegas uh, Shane Gossespierre has also been really really solid for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes I think he picked up three power play points or something like that and if you're a Carolina fan if you're Carolina management you got to be pretty pretty fucking happy about that I mean that's exactly what you brought this dude in here for you brought him in here as a power play specialist and he in this first game he puts up three power play points like oh fuck yeah like that's just fantastic so I really like that move for them I thought it was a good move uh, to bring in Ghost, I mean, yeah, Eric Carlson's out there, but let's let's be real. Eric Carlson makes way too much money. It's just not a deal that was going to get done this year. I mean, teams apparently were looking at Eric Carlson. Even the Leafs sniffed around, but the Leafs sniff around at everybody. It doesn't mean that they're in on them. They're just going to ask. Like, what? Well, there's no harm in asking. Like, that's how I got my PS5. I just went to a Best Buy and asked one time, and they just happened to have one. So it doesn't hurt to ask, I guess. Like, what do you want for Eric Carlson? And can you make the money work for us? And they're like, we're not doing the work for you. You do it. It's like, ah, fuck it. We're not doing this shit. So, again, maybe Eric Carlson gets moved in the offseason. I just didn't see it in the cards for this year. But, yeah, those are some of the, the players so far that I feel like have been playing really well so far for their new teams. If you have any other players that have been playing really well, feel absolutely free to leave a message or you can uh, – 
go on my Twitter page, you can leave a message there, or you can go on YouTube, Gamer GX videos, you can do that there. If you want to leave any questions, have any questions answered on the podcast, you want to be involved, you want to hear your name called out on the podcast and me answer your question live, absolutely feel free. Leave a question in any way you want to. You can email me, Twitter, YouTube, any of that stuff. Would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Anyway. Let's move on now to, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning for a little bit here. So, Tampa's been going through a little bit of a struggle. Yes, they did win a game last night to pull themselves out of a five-game losing streak. So, yes, you heard me right. The Tampa Bay Lightning were on a five-game losing streak, and um, a lot of people kind of losing their minds right now over what's going on in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa had a pretty rough game, and uh, Kucherov, Braden Point, and Stamkos got benched. Kucherov looked like he was going to kill everybody in the arena, but it's a, it's a message sent from Cooper. I mean, he's it, it show, it's basically a message to everybody in that locker room. Like, it doesn't matter what name you got on the back of your jersey. If you aren't playing up to the standards, you're getting benched. So I'm down with that. I'm cool with that. It's all good. But then, then the next game, they respond by getting absolutely slaughtered 6 nothing by the Carolina Hurricanes. So I don't know. Maybe that backfired a little bit on Cooper, but... It's okay. They won a game. Uh, they they won last night. Problem is now they lost Victor Hedman. So we don't. I don't know how long Victor Hedman is going to be out. But me personally, if it's if it's not Vasilevsky, then Victor Hedman I think is the most important guy to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, Hedman, dude, he is so freaking good. He's one of my favorite defensemen. He he just rarely makes mistakes, man. Like he and even to his standards, like this year he's he's even admitted he's like I've been playing like shit. He said that last year, and yeah, I think he's just been dealing with a lot of injuries and and fatigue. Honestly, he's gone to three Stanley Cup Finals in a row. He's got to be tired, man. He's got a lot of a lot of hockey. He's getting older, so I feel he's probably just getting fatigued. He's getting tired. He's getting worn down from all those big important games that he's played and all those insane amount of minutes that he plays. He's like a 27 minutes plus per game easily, way probably way over 27 minutes. I mean, he's a he eats a lot of minutes for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He plays in all situations, power play, penalty kill. He's playing against all the top lines, so yeah. When they lost Victor Hedman against Columbus and they got swept, I feel like losing Victor Hedman was kind of the main reason why they look. Because Victor Hedman is just, he's the best, man. He's the freaking best. And if they lose him, again, people are going crazy. Tampa Bay has a, an 11-point lead over the wild card or something like that. So it's not they're not worried about missing playoffs. They could potentially catch the Toronto Maple Leafs and pass them and get home ice. But I don't think Tampa Bay cares all that much. They've... They really they don't need home ice. If they have it, cool. If they don't, cool. It really doesn't matter. Tampa Bay, that's the thing about Tampa Bay. They that's their thing. It doesn't matter. Whatever you have, if you're a defensive team, so are we. If you're a fighting team, so are we. If you're an offensive team, so are we. If whatever you bring to the table, Tampa Bay will do it, and they'll probably do it better than you. So uh, I'm not worried about the Tampa Bay Lightning whatsoever. I know a lot of people are a little bit worried about Tampa right now. The Tanner Janot trade. They're losing some games here. They're benching their superstars. Oh, is this the end of Tampa Bay? Is this the beginning of the end? And maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I'm I'm with Tampa Bay. I'm with John Cooper. I'm with the reasonable Tampa Bay fans that are not worried whatsoever about this. It's a little blip in the radar. It happens to everybody. Everyone goes through a little bit of a skid in the season. And I think Tampa Bay winning last night, watch. They'll just go on a fucking seven-game winning streak and just shut everybody up. 
I think they're totally fine. I think Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be just dandy, and they're going to be ready to go to play the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round, and it's going to be terrifying, and I'm going to, I'm going to be scared. But I will say, if the if if Tampa Bay goes into the playoffs without without Victor Hedman, I'm going to feel very, very, very good, very, very good about the chances the Leafs have to take out the Tampa Bay Lightning. As it is right now, I have like. Of course, I feel that the Leafs can do it. I absolutely feel like they can do it. It's just going to come from up top. It's going to come from up top. The mentality, the mentality, is their biggest hurdle at this point. They have everything. They have, they have the team. They have the depth. They have defense. Maybe they don't have the depth in goaltending. That maybe, maybe Dubis should have done something right there. But honestly, I just don't think there was all that much out there. Samsonov has been fantastic. I just, it's not him is the problem. It's well, now Matt, Matt Murray's back. Yeah, he didn't have a great first game back. Anyway, we won't talk about that right now. Um, Tampa Bay, not worried. Not worried at all. If anyone out there is worried, I, I don't think you know what Tampa Bay is all about. They're all about shutting up people and showing you what's up. That's what Tampa Bay does. So definitely not counting out the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. That's for sure. Um, let's okay. So, well, there's one thing that I missed about the Vancouver Canucks while I was talking about them. I got a shout out freaking Quinn Hughes, man, fastest defenseman in NHL history to 200 points. Not the fastest Vancouver defenseman, the fastest defenseman in NHL history. So he got to 200 points faster than Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, others. And others, so that's incredible, dude. That is absolutely incredible. And I, I don't know. I recently, you know, kind of fluffed up Quinn Hughes. Like I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's fantastic. He's an unbelievable offensive defenseman. And um, yeah, dude. And, and it really shows with that one right there. Him getting an NHL record for the fastest defenseman to 200 points. I think is absolutely insane. Really freaking awesome, right there. I think, like, wow. It's uh. I, I honestly still think he's a little bit underrated. I don't hear a lot of talk about Quinn Hughes. Shockingly, even though he's in Vancouver, a market that talks all the time. Still don't hear a whole lot of love and for Quinn Hughes. So hopefully the love is there for him this week with um, hitting breaking an NHL record like that. That is incredible. Well done, Quinn Hughes. Now, there has been some talk lately about uh, maybe potentially the NHL adding in some new teams to the league. So it's, it, yep, it's that time of year again where we get the annual talks about new teams in the NHL and which teams are they going to be and why is it not the, the Quebec Nordiques? Well, I can't, I can't really, I, I, I don't know why it's not the Nordiques, okay? I, I want them back just as bad as you guys do, but, <coughs> excuse me, the talks around the league is that uh, a team in Atlanta has been floated around a little bit. So uh, in case people don't know, the Atlanta... Atlanta has had two NHL franchises. They've had the Atlanta Flames, who turned into the Calgary Flames. And then they returned uh, as, um, I I believe it was the Winnipeg Jets. When they left, they went to Atlanta, became the Atlanta... uh, They became the Atlanta Thrashers. Now, the Thrashers weren't very successful. I mean, they, they had a fan base and everything. The fans were there. The problem is they... They ran out of <laughs> their contract, ran out for the building, and they didn't. They didn't renew their contract for the building. They didn't have anywhere to play, so they moved. They moved back to Winnipeg. So, 
Um, that's why a lot of people were comparing that situation to Arizona when their contract ended with their building. They thought, oh, maybe we'll have an Atlanta situation where they just don't have a building to go play in. So they end up getting moved. It didn't happen. They ended up finding a place to play, even though it's yeah, and maybe not to everybody's uh, standards uh, where Arizona is playing this season. But um, yeah, so they're floating around the idea of, a, of possibly bringing back another franchise to Atlanta. Um, sure, I mean, maybe it would work for a third time. Um, I, I think it could because, like, I, I don't think that the Atlanta Thrashers were necessarily a financial bust. I mean, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't awesome because they never won anything. They made the... They made the playoffs one time, I believe, in the eight years or whatever. I don't know. In the while, whatever, how fucking long they were there. Made the playoffs one time, got wrecked. So, yeah, they didn't have much success as a, as a franchise, winning-wise. But they put it, I mean, it's a fantastic, it's a great city. It's a big market. Atlanta's a, it's Atlanta. I mean, it's hot Atlanta. It's um, Atlantic City, baby. It's, um, I've never been there personally, but don't really know a whole hell of a lot about Atlanta other than there's gambling there as far as I know there's a lot of gambling but um all I know is that it's a big market and would another team work there I mean yeah sure why why not I mean um it's worked out really well for the new franchises lately in the NHL it seems like they've kind of turned a page or at least made it a lot better for new franchises to get into the league it's not the the way it used to be where you enter the league you're a bottom feeder for like 5 to fucking 10 years who knows how long it takes you to get out of there and then maybe you get to have some success after a horrible start and it's it's a bad way to start out your franchise if you're just a bottom feeder and like team like yeah the fans are going to be there at first but they're they're only going to be there for so long if you just continue to lose all the time right so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it could work there uh, as long as they have, like, the starts. For, I don't think they're – I don't know if we'll ever see a start like Vegas, but we, we're looking at the Kraken now. Like, they're already in a playoff hunt this season. They might not make it, but it looks like they should make it. So make it, making it into the playoffs on your second year as a franchise is fantastic. I mean – you talk to the people that brought in the franchises back in the day, they would have killed for that. They're like, oh my god, we can make playoffs in year two? That would be incredible. So, I just think it's a lot better for new teams to come into the league right now. I think, personally, maybe we're getting we're getting into the... If the, the you would have to add in two more teams, and that would make it 34 teams. Is Are we starting to get too many freaking teams here? Like, I'm getting nervous that once we you get... If you have too many teams, you're going to water down the talent, right? The, the talent levels are going to go down, and I don't know. Like, at this point, pretty much every team's got a superstar. Some teams have more superstars than others. Some teams don't have any superstars, like Anaheim. Like, Zegras is a potential superstar. He's kind of a superstar when it comes to, like, his popularity in Anaheim and stuff. But talent-wise, he's not, like, that super-duper star just yet. But, um, yeah, man, I, I'm... I'm always down for new franchises. It's a lot of fun when a new franchise comes in. You get the expansion draft. That's a lot of fun. And then you get to watch. You get to see a new jersey. You get a, We get to see what the team's going to be called. Would they be called the Atlanta Flames again? Or would they be called the... Would they be called the, the Thrashers? Would they be called something completely different? Like, I've always been a fan of the Atlanta Thrashers. The logo is whatever, but I've always loved their colors. I always loved the design of the jersey. I always thought it was really cool. And and the colors were pretty nice. I always liked that 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 hint of blue that they had over there. Really nice blue. I really like that. 
But uh, I think it would be good. What do you guys think? Do you think if they brought in another franchise to Atlanta, would it work? I, I I don't think they would put they would bother putting one in there if they didn't think it would work. The market is massive. Um, it, they've been deprived of the hockey for a while, so you know that that tends to work a lot. You take it away from them for a while, they miss it. You bring it back, and they love it more than ever. So that could work out. And then of course the other team is Houston. Houston has been on the on the radar for a very very long time. Uh, massive market over there in Houston, huge sports town. I mean, it would, I think that would be that would be good. It would be it would be good. That would be a really good rivalry between Dallas and Houston. That could be a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I like that idea. But I'm a Canadian, right? And I really would love to have another Canadian franchise enter. I just don't know if it's in the books, man. Like, yeah, they got another. They got a building over there in Quebec that's re- it's ready. There's an NHL quality building they can use over there. It's just like the market isn't as big as other markets out there. Like it's not as big as Houston, but it's it would definitely be a hardcore market. That's for sure. It'd be a diehard market. Uh, they could put another team in Toronto. It's just that the Leafs would really hate that. They would absolutely despise that. So I don't know what other team they're gonna if they were if there's ever going to be another team in Canada. I would imagine we would lose a team in Canada before we get another one. That's what I'm thinking. But at least the Ottawa Senators are in a really good spot right now. So we'll transition over to them for a little bit. Um, I do want to hear from you guys, though. What do you think? Do you think a team in Houston and or Atlanta would work? I think, yeah, absolutely. Of course it would work. I think it would be fantastic. Um, but is it is it the best move for the league? Like, is, is that going to water us down too much? Is that one too many te- is that just too many teams cuz right now we got a pretty nice situation at 32 teams right you got 16 make it into the playoffs 16 don't make it into the playoffs so that's pretty tasty i like that nice and even nice right down the middle so that's pretty cool i mean it doesn't really matter you add in two more teams then it's uh what's oh no i have to math now 18 teams make it instead so or maybe no they could just keep it at 16 and then 18 teams miss instead so that could be that could be pretty killer too. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm down for new teams coming into the NHL. Um, I I just didn't think that that talk would start so early. It just seemed like after Seattle came in, they're like, all right, we're done. We're gonna be done for a very long time. And and the talks have already started. And now it doesn't mean that it's going to happen anytime soon. But it, there's talks. There's at least talks out there. And now we can talk about the Ottawa Senators. So they had their um, basically the opening for uh the bids now are are active they're they're officially taking like their first round of major bids uh the price has pretty much stayed in and around the same as reported we're looking at about an 800 million dollar price tag and owners in the ottawa senators whoever they're hoping for a, a bidding war to, uh, to start out and maybe they can crack up that price to maybe they can crack a billion dollars on that franchise and the Ottawa Senators are in a really good place right now, I think. I mean, adding in Chikrin, he's had a great start to uh, his his um, career there in Ottawa. I mean, he didn't get anything in his first game, but his first home game, oh, what a reception for Chikrin over there in Ottawa. Fantastic. He gets a goal and assist. Really nice interviews over there from him lately, too. Kind of an emotional interview. He's just, like, really fucking happy to be there, man. It's really nice to hear, really nice to see. So I think they're in a great position right now, man, and, like, you're gonna have you're gonna sell the team at some point. They're going to get a new building. They got this really young, fun team that's that's really coming along right now. They're on fire. They could potentially make the playoffs. They're in the hunt still, so that's awesome. Brady Brady Kachuk has emerged as a true like leader and like 
like a pariah almost, a messiah, if you will. I mean, the guy is freaking unbelievable. I love that guy. Really become a bona fide leader for the senators. Stutzel has just been outrageous. Claude Giroux, I mean, wow. Uh, Debrincat has really come along too. Are they going to get that deal done? So, yeah, man, it's really fun times over there for Ottawa right now. Uh, could be a really popular place to go to over the next couple of years. A fun up and coming team is uh, usually a pretty nice target for play for players. They like to go there. So, hopefully, we get to see um, uh, the Ottawa Senators. Um, I would love to see them in the playoffs, man. I would love that so much. And I think if they're making it in, they might be playing Boston. And, oh, dude, that would be so much fun to watch. Boston versus Ottawa. I would love Ottawa to beat them. That would be so awesome. And then that, that could be a potential second-round matchup, right? Would the, if the Leafs make it through Tampa, could that be a second-round Ottawa versus Toronto? Battle of Ontario yet again? Oh, my God, dude. I'd cream. I'd fucking cream. That'd be That'd be incredible. But, yes, the Ottawa Senators and, of course, Ryan Reynolds still involved, still wants to be a part owner. He wants in on the Ottawa Senators. That's fantastic. Really happy for the Senators right now. Not long ago, it looked really, 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 really ugly for the Senators franchise. I mean, after they made it to the third round of the Stanley Cup, like, really, really kind of got ugly for them. The fan base kind of revolted and just the, the owners. and Oh, it was just rough. I'm just so happy that. They kind of gotten through all that, and, and it's starting to look like the 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 light is starting to shine at the end of the tunnel for the Ottawa Senators. So that's really cool. I'm really happy about that. So let's talk about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs just a little bit here. So some news coming out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we got Ryan O'Reilly. He is going to be out for about four weeks. He uh, needed surgery on a broken finger. So yes, that sucks ass. Um, with Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he's he's been really quiet since the um, the hat-trick game. He hasn't gotten any points since. And, uh, yeah, now he's hurt. And it looks like he's basically going to be pretty well done until playoff time. You would have to say they might even just shut him down until playoffs or get him in for a few games beforehand, get him warmed up and everything. But, yeah, that really sucks, man. You don't want to see a new guy getting hurt because he, we want him to get as much time into the system as possible to get comfortable and to learn everything right so yeah that really fucking sucks ass that ryan o'reilly has gone down um uh, it's it'll be okay i mean the, the last game there they had um uh, sam lafferty was playing on the second line uh playing second line center because they didn't have john Tavares in there so they were down ryan o'reilly and john Tavares. so sam lafferty getting the job done as a second line center it was an interesting game there against new jersey let's um let's discuss so there was no John Tavares, no Ryan O'Reilly. They had Michael Bunting move down to the fourth line, and they had Kerfoot. I believe he was playing on the top line. So this happens sometimes with Michael Bunting. He loses his spot on the top line, and he goes down to the fourth line, scores a goal, and then he makes his way right back up to the top line. So just a little bit of a fire, I imagine, getting lit under his ass, just kind of reminding him, like, hey, you're you're not you're not like concrete solidified on this top line left wing spot, right? So just be just be aware of that. So he scores a goal on the fourth line. I imagine he'll be he'll be back up with Matthews and and Marner. I think they're playing together in no time. I think Kerfoot was just kind of I don't think he was really getting rewarded as much as Michael Bunting was getting disciplined. So you can take that for what it is. Uh Kerfoot, I mean, he's really just kind of made his home in the on the fourth line bottom six area. He I don't know, man, cuz like that what was it? 
the Montreal series where uh, Johnny John Tavares went down, Kerfoot went up there. He played fantastic. He was excellent. I wish that was the Kerfoot that we had, but have right now, but not the case. So they do play the New Jersey Devils. They win that game four to three. Samsonov was was pretty darn good at the beginning of the game. <coughs> that first period, the Leafs were completely asleep, and Samsonov bailed them out of that one. And then it looked like the New Jersey Devils went to sleep a little bit. A um, little bit of a sleepy game there, but I thought it was a pretty darn good game. Matthews takes the lead late with that really nice third-period goal and really nice celebration from him right there. That was a solid game. I mean, uh, Timo Meyer didn't really look all that good out there. I didn't really notice him all that much other than him taking penalties. I, I noticed him doing that. So, um, again, it's going to take a minute for him to adjust to the system. Um, it wasn't really a great week for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? I mean, they got pumped by Edmonton. Not a strong game right there. They they kind of played like shit. My buddy Jesse was at that game, so um, uh, too bad he didn't get to see the Leafs win, but he watched Connor McDavid do the Connor McDavid show. It was a really an electric atmosphere there in Edmonton. Uh, the atmosphere was great. My buddy said that he paid, it was like $500. He had great seats, great seats. Um, and he said that he was looking up, if he wanted to sit in the same area for Edmonton, Toronto, in Toronto, it was going to cost like $1,500. What the fuck? Are you crazy? Like, I I would not. No, there is no hell, no way in chant. No, no, just no. I would never pay that much money to watch a regular season game. I wouldn't even pay that much to watch a playoff game. I've been to a few of the Toronto Maple Leafs games, and I won't lie. Both times I went, it wasn't. It was not worth anywhere near the amount of money I paid to go. It just wasn't that good of a time, man. It really just wasn't. Okay. Uh, they played the Calgary Flames. They beat them, obviously. I mean, the Flames have been losing to absolutely everybody. Let's talk about the Flames for a little bit, actually, now that we're there. Um, so they're pretty miserable, eh? It's been a rough fucking time for the Calgary Flames. I saw this coming. Um, yeah, I mean, they played They played the hell out of Boston. I'll give them that. They played the hell out of Boston. They should have won that game. They didn't. They just kind of, they got Boston. I mean, Allmark just shut them down, whoever the fuck was in net. They got absolutely dominated right there. Or sorry, they didn't get dominated, but they got uh, they got their show pushed in because uh, they got goalied, and that just sucks. And um, the the image of the of the Flames bench going around when they, they they panned by the bench, and every single face on that bench was miserable, absolutely absolutely miserable. And again, man, are, are we just when are we gonna fire Sutter? It's over. It's over. You gotta fire him. You you have to fire him or. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. So, uh, the GM Tre living, I believe he is on his, his last year of his deal. So I don't know if they're planning on bringing in another GM that is more of a Sutter guy. I don't really know. I, at this point, I'm starting to believe that they're, they're not done with Sutter. I think they believe in Sutter. They think that he's going to be the guy to get them the cup. I think they're wrong. I think, uh, Sutter is just, he's past his prime, man. There's only so long you can have Sutter coaching your team before, you get this happening where your whole bench, every single guy on that on that bench is miserable. They don't want, they're going to hate hockey. They're going to hate coming. They're going to hate playing. They're going to hate everything. And that's kind of what Sutter does after a while. He just gets into you. He's just, he's a seriously, he's one of the wettest blankets I've ever seen. He shits on everything. And yeah, man, I just think that gets really tired after a while. Like there's, there's people that are at work that are like that. And I just, I can't even, I, I get so exhausted talking to them within five seconds. Cause all they do is just yuck the yum constantly. They're just, they're just yucking the yum all the time. And that gets really exhausting. So 
the Flames look exhausted. They look mentally worn out. They look absolutely just dead. And uh, they're not making playoffs. It's not happening. And it's just going to be a shit season, man. And this happens with the Flames often. Uh, whenever there's hype on them or expectations, they kind of flounder. And then when there's no expectations, they do better. So maybe next year there won't be such high expectations. They'll do a lot better. Hopefully without Sutter. But we'll have to just wait on that one. So, yeah, they lose to the they lose to Boston. They lose to Toronto. I mean, Toronto played them really well, man. I didn't get to watch that game, sadly, but um, I heard that the Leafs played a very, very, one of their better games of the season they played against Calgary, so it is what it is. Uh, The Calgary Flames did win against Minnesota, Uh, a really good performance there from Markstrom. He gets a shutout, (coughs) kind of rare these days now, but um, that's great. That's, That's really great. Markstrom's been playing better lately. I just, at this point, I just think it's too little too late for the Flames. It's just, um... Um, at this point, they could probably they're probably going to start winning a few more games than normal, and I think that's mostly just teams playing down to them. Kind of happens a lot um, at this time of the season, where um, kind of the bottom feeding teams they start to pick up more wins than normal, and that would give maybe those fan bases a little bit of false hope. It's like, oh, we're starting to win a lot of games. Kind of think of like the Ottawa Senators last year. They really started to turn it on last year. And it gave gave everybody a lot of hope coming into this year. And then it just didn't happen this year. It's kind of happening again this year, but it's it's a little bit of a different story, right? They're beating better teams. They're they're on a hot streak. They got a completely different team now. Uh, they're better. So it's a little bit of a different story. But just saying that um, if you're if you're like I don't know, Arizona's been winning some games lately too. But yeah, I don't put in a whole lot of stock if um. If my team, like say when the Leafs weren't making the playoffs uh, all those years ago and um, they would start playing better down the stretch, I just uh, I didn't put a whole lot into that because that's just, I just think teams are not that worried about you at that point. You're not a playoff team. You're not really, you're not really on our radar right now. So we're not too worried about it. And then, you know what I mean? Anyway, so the Leafs beat the Flames. Uh, then they played the Vancouver Canucks, and this one was not so good. So Matt Murray was back in net uh, for the Leafs in this one. It was a really chippy game, man. I loved this game. Vancouver Canucks fans doing the 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 Leafs suck chant or whatever. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was really nice to see the Vancouver Canucks fans having some fun out there. That was good. Um, I found this to be a really chippy game. Uh, Lou Shen was in there just dummying people. Oh, it was so nice to see. Um <laughs> so he was out there just laying the body on everybody. And Tavares on, on his side, he was getting his wagon just painted, bro, in that game. He got laid out a couple times. He got absolutely fucking demolished. And then the Vancouver Canucks decide we're going to demolish the Toronto Maple Leafs by scoring two shorthanded goals. I believe JT Miller was in on both of those. But yeah, man, it is what it is. Um, Thatcher Demko is back for the Vancouver Canucks. He's been playing really good lately. He played really good in that game against the Leafs. He was fantastic. So really nice to see Demko back. Looks like he's healthy. He's playing well. So uh, that's really good news for the Vancouver Canucks and all that stuff. Um, I just don't know. I have no fucking idea what the future is going to hold with the Vancouver Canucks. One day they're rebuilding. Next day they're retooling. The next day they think they're a playoff bound team. So I have no idea. Vancouver Canucks fans, I'd love to hear what is going through your mind right now. Are you frustrated as hell? Are you pissed off? Are you confused? Like I am. I have no idea what's going on with Vancouver right now. Couldn't tell you. I have no idea what the plan I'm I, I'm scared. I'm scared a little bit of what they're what they could do in the offseason. They're probably gonna trade away their first and they're gonna bring in 
bring in blank guy with terrible contract and term. They're going to bring in a whole bunch of that. So, yeah, man, uh, that's all I got to say, I think, this week for the hockey cast. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. You've been fantastic. Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be taking on the Edmonton Oilers this Saturday. I'm really excited about that game. Should be a lot of fun. Always a good time uh, when I get to watch Connor McDavid do the Connor McDavid thing. So that's going to be a good game. <coughs> Sorry that it is Wednesday, everybody. It is the middle of the week, but hey, guess what? You're so fucking close to the weekend, man. You can almost smell it. You're getting there. You're getting there. So just grind through another week, baby. And once you get to that weekend, you're going to have a nice wrestle cast there for you. And at the beginning of your week next week, you're going to have a gamer cast coming out for you. I'm thinking that I'm going to be doing an indie uh, indie video game love cast basically I'm going to be talking about some indie video games I think that's what I have on tap for for Monday's episode so be on the lookout for that you can go check out the YouTube channel Gamer GX Videos just started a new let's play over there I am playing Detroit Become Human so you can go over there and watch me be human I'm having a fucking unbelievably good time playing through that game a gem of a game on the PlayStation. I think it's a really under the radar, underappreciated game. I love it. I think it's really darn good. So if you want to watch me, go go over there, follow the link down below, or just look up Gamer GX videos. You'll find it over there. Do uh, double uploads on Saturdays, and then we do I do a video every other day. So five videos a week over there on the YouTube channel. If you have any suggestions for fun PlayStation games, cool, funny stories, or something like that, hit me up with suggestions and all that great stuff. You can leave a comment, or if you have any questions, you want me to answer a question on the podcast related to video games, wrestling, or hockey, be my guest. Absolutely leave me a question. I will answer it for you live on the podcast if you want me to. If you don't, I'll keep it private. We can just keep have a nice little chat between us. That would be fantastic. I would love that. So that is it for me today, everybody. Enjoy your week. You're so close to the weekend. You'll make it, baby. And as always, go Leafs go. Go Leafs go.